We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we're for the people of Missouri. We're for brewmasters, stockbrokers, beauty queens, and truck drivers. Whatever you do, if you're a Missourian, we're for you. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we've got Missouri covered. A former Royal Stadium vendor turned radio icon. It's all tonight on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Your home for everything that's great. He's been in a band. I don't like you. And he's not to be trifled with. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hard ass. I'm sorry. He's Todd Liebo. He's Todd Lebo. I'm getting really sick of guys named Todd. Hi, what's your name? Todd. I'm Todd. On the program. Hour number two of the program from here at Radio Row, Super Bowl 58. Our coverage brought to you by Hollywood Casino, Greenlight Dispensary, Deepa Squally Moore, Injury Attorneys, and the Low T Center. Uh, if you don't know your numbers, guys, get them checked. The Low T Center can get it done in about 25 minutes. Their on-site lab makes it super quick. Go to lowtcenter.com to get your levels checked. Low T Center. Reinventing. Reinventing. I almost said revolutionizing. Reinventing. All of it. Uh, men's health care is what they're doing. Lebo's here. He's brought to you by Family Leisure. Uh, K10 and Ridgeview, familyleisure.com. Uh, for everything that's fun and family, yeah. mention A10. Save even more. They've also got everything that's effing great. Go out there and get the uh, massage chair that I'm still fighting for. Dude, there's mach- mas- massage chairs all around here. Like Are there? The, the party last night, oh. Pat Strothman got a massage at the at the thing. And there's, a, I mean, that's Vegas is like these guys set at tables all the time. And about every bar's got a massage chair. Yeah. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go check that out. Uh, mention you don't A10. deserve one yet. You haven't done that. Yeah. Well, that's what my wife says. K10 and uh, Ridgeview online at uh, at familyleisure.com. All right, Todd. Uh, let's hear a little bit from Matt Nagy. Correct. Yeah, I had a chance to talk. You know, a little little up close and personal to Matt Nagy and Steve Spagnuolo. We're gonna play a little bit for you here. We were talking to Matt Nagy about you know just the journey with Patrick Mahomes and how. It's been amazing, and like kind of what they saw in him early in college, and all those kind of things. So he was selling some stuff, some memories of when they were the organization was looking at him, and when he was at Texas Tech. To this day, we still go back and we watch some of his highlights on, on a light day in the off season. We'll go back and watch some of his highlight tapes, and sometimes he makes us watch him to joke around uh, to, uh, to watch some of the, the clips he's made. And um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, when you get to this level now, you're dealing with some elite athletes that can make great plays. You can take that play and make it even better. So it's it's fine tuning the art of playing quarterback, and that's kind of what he's gone through this year too, right? I mean, we haven't, um, you know, we've won in different ways this year and he's growing and people have said the quote-unquote game manager thing i don't i don't believe in the game manager thing. I mean, he's still playing quarterback he's just winning different ways one of the things patrick talked about when he first got here was he just wanted to win games because they didn't win enough yeah and he has really continued to have that how does he keep having that attitude despite already putting rings and trophies on his well, he's a competitor, the ultimate competitor. He, all he cares about is winning, and the stats and everything come with it, but he just wants to win. He, that's all he wants. And so when you you have a year like we had this year where there were some highs and lows and there were some doubters, that kind of, that motivated him. It motivated us, but it really motivated him to be the leader and say, you know what, we can pull together, we can stick together. And, uh, hey, when you go through a year like this and you get to this point, you go out there and try to win that Super Bowl. If you win that Super Bowl, it could be one of the most special years that you've ever had as a, as a player. And think about that, what we were going through in the middle of the year. I do think if they win this Super Bowl, I mean, they're all going to mean something big. Right. But this is going to be like, wow. They were. Yeah. I mean, they, they, there were some dark days with this team this year. and I mean, 
they've talked about this a bunch. This is a dark Christmas. I mean, Matt and Aggie didn't open Christmas presents. That's they they, 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 they ruined back. Christmas. They, they literally ruined Christmas. They, they ruined their own Christmas. They ruined Christmas for thousands of people, tens of thousands of people in the area. And since then, they've kind of turned around. So if they win this thing, I think it will be pretty special for them. Uh, I think so as well. And I don't understand, and I think part of the problem, I think Matt and Aggie's mindset, said the game manager, I don't know why people are like, why is that a bad thing? I know. And we're hearing that on the other side, too, with, with Purdy. And, you know, listen, it's just one of these things that people say. It's not a bad thing. Managing the game is a good thing. And there's a better way to manage the game. If you're a game manager with a lot of talent, it's even better. Uh, they, they seem to have the ability to say complimentary football whenever they want. Yeah. Well, then that means you're not dynamic on both. You're having both. to com- complement each other. And they were why, why don't we make that a negative one? They, I don't get they it. They weren't playing it earlier this year, and yeah. now they certainly no, are. They are. All right, let's hear from another side of the, the coin here, the other compliment to the to the football team, Steve Spagnolo. Talk to him a little bit about just trying to pinpoint. I said, is there one thing that is keeping you up at night as you prepare for the Niners? I, if, I, if I limit it to one, I'm not doing it justice because, I mean, I keep coming back to the number of weapons that they have and the fact that not not being in the NFC, we don't get to see their offense a lot, but how impressed I am with the quarterback. And uh, everything people are saying about him is true. Um, and even more than what people are saying. I think I think this guy's got a lot of talent. He's, he's, a, he's a better athlete than I knew because like, I didn't know enough about him. So now we got to be concerned with a quarterback can run. But that offense functions real efficiently with a lot of weapons. How comfortable are you right now with what you guys have ready for you? Well, I mean, listen, we did the bulk of it last week, and, you know, we're comfortable with it. We need to refine it a little bit. I think you're always looking for something that might give you a little bit of an edge. Um, and yet, it's going to come back to the basic things, you know, how fast we play, how well we tackle, and if mentally, you know, we keep the mental errors to a minimum. My key for this game, I think the Chiefs will tackle well, and they'll, they're not going to bust probably, okay? I do think Brock Purdy is going to throw you the football. Once or twice, you have to catch it. Yes. You know, the Chiefs did not catch the football earlier this year. They didn't pick the ball up when it was laying on the ground. That's a good point. We all watched the horrible Christmas game with the Chiefs. And then after you were sick for three hours, you went and you said, well, all right, I'll watch this Ravens-Niners game. At least maybe the Ravens will lose to the Niners. And they beat the brains out of them because they caught the ball. When it was thrown to him, the ball bounced up in the air. They caught it. They, they won that game basically on turnovers and all that. That will be a big key, in my opinion, for this game for the Chiefs. I, I don't think Brock Purdy's going to play the cleanest game you ever played in your life. So, but you, you just have to take advantage. They were three for four on turnover chances against the Ravens. Nick Bolton has a cast on his hand. didn't catch the one ball. They won the game against the Ravens. If they were plus one against the Ravens, how comfortable are you that they won that game? I don't know. Yeah, not not nearly. I mean, it, it was still a seven-point game. They had to convert a, a third and whatever to not give the Ravens the ball back at plus three. You know, so I, I think that they will get a chance to get the ball from Brock Purdy. They just got to take it. They, they, they have they, to take yeah, it. I, I agree. And the coverage uh, parts of the, of the Chiefs are so good that I think that's going to be a big part of the equation is how Steve Spagnuolo deploys his DBs. Like, how does he mix and match the coverage? Are they going to say, okay, I got two guys. I can take I, I can take Ayuk, and I can take uh, Samuel out of the game. And we'll play 9-on-9 nine nine against Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it's, it's 
That's what they're thinking about right now. That's the refining. And they're having actual practice today. It's football time now. That's what they kind of said today at the availability. All right, now it's Wednesday. We're, we're having football practice. So that, that'll be a big part of it. They'll, they'll have to do that This is because this is a really good Niners team. And I, I'm a Brock Purdy doubter, okay? I was a Brock Purdy doubter when he was in college. Um, he too Would you little. go so far as to say hater? Uh, no, probably not a hater, but just a doubter. I'm at, but I think he got picked about where he should have gotten picked. But you put Brock Purdy on a team with all of this talent, he's going to be really, really good. If you put Brock Purdy on the Bears this year and said, hey, go win games, you know what? Brock Purdy ain't in the Super Bowl, okay? But that's not a slam on Brock Purdy. Right. Don't apologize for playing with Christian McCaffrey, Depot yeah. Samuels, or Brandon Ayuk, and, and have Trent Williams protecting your blind side. That, that's all good stuff. Well, and, and, and that's why I, I mentioned, you know, the game management part, because that's what Patrick Mahomes has done, is manage the and game. That's it's okay. What, it's what they've needed. He has to manage the game more. We know he can, you know, that's, that's why I, I would think that hopefully that phrase could lose its stigma with Patrick Mahomes doing it. We know he can rock it around and be a playmaker, but when he they need him, to manage the game, he manages the game. Yeah. So settle down. It's good stuff. I, and I, I just, I'm so impressed by him managing the football games, and I'm impressed by him managing everything. It was frustrating with the drops and all that stuff. And you didn't hear him out there belly aching, going, I can't believe, I mean, we saw it. And we read between the lines on that. We saw him going oh, yeah. on the bench at New England, going, I can't yeah. believe I threw the ball, and they bounced off his hands again. But he didn't come out there and blow anybody up. Right. Because he's smart. He yeah. knows how to be a leader and knows how to do all of those things. And that's just, you know, you can't put a price tag on that. You really can't. And it's been, we've said this a bunch, it, 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 pinch yourself. It's, it, keep, I hope it goes on forever, you know. Yeah. Uh, Todd, we appreciate it. We'll bring you back a little bit. We've got a lot of things going on. I think we're going to get the father of Christian McCaffrey, Ed McCaffrey, fine player in his own right. You see him, uh, to Christian McCaffrey was getting IVs in like eighth grade to get ready for games. I remember seeing a story about that once. He was like, you got to be, you got to be hydrated. I mean, I think Ed was uh, telling him how to be a pro at like, 15 or something. It, it worked. Yeah, it, it worked. It worked. And he's not crazy, so good. Okay. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out here in a minute. Well, it uh, may be crazy. I don't think Christian is. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a break. More from Radio Row uh, here at Super Bowl 58. All right, welcome back here in the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHP here on the home of the National Football League. You'll hear Super Bowl 58, of course, with our own Kevin Harlan on the call. Uh, our coverage from Radio Row is brought to you by the Low T Center. Fellas, do you know your numbers? Low T Center makes it quick and easy. Go to lowtcenter.com to get your levels checked. Today, Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. And, of course, Low T Center bringing us our next guest, Ed McCaffrey. Formerly what was known as a great football player, now known as Father of Christian. That's like a, that's not a bad trade off, is it? Yeah. Husband of Lisa. Yeah. There Father you go. of Christian. <laughs> that is me. One time former player. Whenever I talk about anything I ever did in the past, I just picture the, uh, you know, Glory Days song. Just right. popping up and playing over. The, my, my, my wife will start singing it if I ever talk about an old game of mine. But, uh, yeah, I'm just a dad now. I'm yeah. just a dad like any other mom or dad getting ready for the game. I'm a parent and getting ready to watch this one. Yeah, and, uh, and, 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 you know, is there any calmness 
when you when you watch your kid play and you know when he's playing in he's playing in the biggest game he's ever played in his life? You know, I, I usually get dialed in myself. I'm I'm not like when I watch a game where I don't have a vested interest, and there's not many games like that because I have either my kids are playing or friends of mine are playing or kids of my friends are playing. But when I watch a game, I'm a pretty fun guy to watch a game with. I'll high five and hang sure. out and have a yeah. game. It's football, man. I don't yeah. got to watch every play. I just enjoy being there and watching ball. But when your kid's playing, it's different. You know, like any parent, I don't care if you're going to the school play or they're, they're playing chess on the chess team and they're in an incredible match or, or they're playing football. Like, it's your kid. What are you going to do? So you love them. You're there to support them and love them no matter what happens. And uh, But when I, when I watch football, I kind of get dialed in. And so there's a calm about me. I'm not high-fiving people. I'm not eating a lot of food. Right. I'm not talking about stuff unrelated to what's happening on the field. And everyone that watches the game with me and my family, they know that. And, and they watch it similarly. Um, so, anyway, not the most fun guy to be around, but uh, I, I, there's like a calm to me. Sure. I, I've had to learn to be calm. I used to be more animated and a little nervous. And I'm like, nothing I'm doing is affecting anything that's happened on this game. Let's just look around, appreciate where I am, enjoy the experience. Now, you were 6'5", so you probably weren't going to play running back. I can't think of a 6'5". You know, I played running back. running back when I was a kid. Did you really? When I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. When did, when did you outgrow the position? Seventh grade. Then I played left tackle. Really? Yeah, they moved me from running back, and I moved to – I was in North Carolina, okay. moved to Pennsylvania, and they had weight limits. And so, like, I was – We bi- called them fatty stickers. Yeah, I was in, always in big. World. But I was more tall than uh, big, and but I was overweight, and I was on, like, an early version of the Atkins diet. Like, they tried to make me light enough to be able to play, and I hated it. I was, like, losing weight. So finally, you know, I remember my mother saying, you know what, if you're going to complain so much, just eat whatever you want. So I did, and I immediately went to left tackle. Yeah. <laughs> I gained like 20 pounds in a week. Um, and so, but I, I attribute, you know, playing line to uh, helping me be a better blocker as a receiver down the road. But, um, you know, yeah, nowadays you don't see too many. Oh, Derrick Henry's a pretty tall running back. You see yeah. some tall running backs. But um, they usually, you know, in Little League, they'll try to put their best athlete at running back because you're getting the ball the most and you can't throw the ball that well when you're a little kid. Um, but, no, I did play a couple years at that. Okay. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I would have never guessed that. So when, you know, Christian goes to play running back. Are you like, you know, it, there's a lot easier ways to make a living than being a running back. Yeah. Did, did you, I mean, now he's very, he is the modern, and I think history is going to say that your son Christian is the first back to really be that dual threat, really be a receiver. You know, maybe Marshall Falk, if I don't want to, you know, not give credit to him, they would flex him out a lot with the Rams, but Christian seems just as comfortable being a wideout as a running back. It seems like as a father, you might have been like, focus on the wideout part. Well, you know what? You don't start playing football to make a living, right? You start playing it because it's fun, and you want to be with your buddies and Christian's such a team guy he loves being part of a team and taking the field with his team and you know all for one and one for all and let's go do this he's just all about the team um, but also and when you're little like you get the ball the most when you're a running back so you're either the quarterback or the running back and, and most of the time when you're little you hand off and so every kid wants the ball and if you're good enough to earn that spot on your little league team it's the most fun position on the field then as you get older um, you know still even in, in a lot of high schools you still run the ball a bunch but you can also be a receiver out of the backfield so he's just played it because it's a fun position um he's good at it but you're right he could be a slot receiver as well um he he loves the running back position like he's just played it his whole life and fallen in love with it but he could play slot 
slot as well. And I think that's the way the NFL's going, having backs that can do both. Because the passing game is becoming increasingly more and more important in today's NFL. And keeping your same personnel on the field is important to try to create mismatches. Right now, you got a linebacker that might have to cover a running back that's a slot receiver. That's a mismatch. So if you can find a guy like that, you keep him on the field. We're talking to Ed McCaffrey here in the program. He's brought to you by our friends at the Low T Center. You can find him online at lowtcenter.com. Get tested uh, and uh, get your results back in uh, 25 minutes. Their on-site lab makes it so easy. Uh, go to lowtcenter.com. When, when, you know, you were a good athlete, obviously. I'm assuming mom was probably a pretty good athlete as well. Am I, am I guessing? No, am I... She, was, she was a phenomenal athlete. Okay. Yeah, she played uh, soccer at Stanford. Okay. She I figured at, there's a, you, that's usually the story. Yeah, she played. This was before there was a women's Olympic team. Okay. Um, but she played with Julie Fowdy, who was a few years younger than her, played against Mia Hammond, okay. uh, was probably the best athlete on her teams. Okay. Maybe not as polished of a soccer player as a Julie Fowdy, but athletically, yeah, was as athletic as any girl soccer player you would have found back then in the mid-80s and um, is still a phenomenal athlete in great shape. Yeah. So, you know, you know, your kids are a mixture of their right. parents and, and generations of, of DNA. So sure. luckily, you know, Christian got got uh, some of the good stuff. He did. And so you know you've got a, a young man who's, who's got good lineage, right, good heritage. When do you go, wow, he's he's so good, he's a pro? When, do, when, do you, when did you have a moment like, wow, he's so good, he might be the best pro? At what he does. Yeah. Do you well, have those moments? You know, you don't think that far ahead. Like when they're little kids, you know, he, when he first started playing, he's scoring six or seven touchdowns a game in Little League. But you're like, it's Little League, right? He's seven or eight. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's out there. That's a pretty good indicator. Uh, but, Let me just tell but, you. But you. But you do get to see, like, well, they're not a normal kid. Like, I didn't score six or seven touchdowns when I was a kid playing Little League football. So even though you're in a small Colorado city, you're like, that's pretty cool. But you don't, how big are they going to get? Are they going to grow, you know, physically? Are they going to develop? Do some kids stop in seventh or eighth grade, right? It's like they hit their peak then. You just don't know. Um, but, you know, as you watch him, and he's he's good in high school and then in college, I think in college, you know, he broke Barry Sanders' record in college for all purpose yards, and you really Realize, you know, hey, that doesn't happen every day. It hadn't happened over 20 years, right? So um, then you get a feel for he's definitely going to be playing in the NFL. And he, we, I definitely felt he could have some success in the NFL. And then he's just proven that proven that he's still competing at that high level and still doing the same things he was doing at lower levels. The 49ers were one of your teams. Um, a brief stop uh, with the 49ers. He's playing in Carolina, and he gets traded to the 49ers. By the way, his first game was against the Kansas City Chiefs. And he played well, but he didn't play much because he had just come over uh, to the team uh, in that game week seven last year. But what, what was the reaction? What was what, what did he tell you about getting traded? I mean, you know, going you, you had a couple of stops, but I don't think you ever moved in season. What was that yeah. like for him to deal with? You know, it was very strange. It was. And any player that's been traded midseason will tell you. I mean, you're practicing getting ready to play a game while you're reading on social media media that you might get traded and you're thinking am i playing this week or not because i just practiced two days yeah. getting ready for this team am i even going to be here i don't know and so it, it is a difficult time because you know you don't want it to get in your head because if you're not going anywhere you got to get ready to play this game but how do you not know when everyone's talking about it um how do you not think about it so you know he, he, he didn't even practice before he played against the Chiefs. He hadn't practiced one practice. Interestingly enough, it was Brock Purdy, who was the third-string quarterback, who was going through all the plays with him, trying to get him ready just to 
take the field because Kyle Shanahan wanted to sit him, but Christian's like, I'm not missing a game. This is important to me. And it's like, well, you don't know the playbook yet. How are you going to play? So Brock put him through all the plays, and it was after a couple of days of that where he said, hey, this dude's for real. I mean, Brock Purdy knows the whole offense inside and out, and he's pretty sharp, and he throws the ball well. And that's when he first realized that there was something to Brock Purdy. But um, – but Lisa and I were so ecstatic because, you know, we knew Kyle Shanahan and what kind yeah. of coach he was. I'd follow him for years. We know our families had known each other since 1994. Um, and there's all this talk about the families and the connection and the relationship. But Christian never played for Kyle. And Christian was four when Kyle was part of the Broncos and we won Super Bowl 33. And so on, on day one or two, they got together and met for over an hour and said, look, we need to talk. I know our families know each other, but man to man, we don't know each other. Like, you know, let's talk ball a little bit. And after about an hour hour and a half christian's like i'm in the right spot yeah and then but also you need to earn the respect of your teammates even though he knew of them as being great players what's this locker room going to be like and then he meets use and kittle and debo and trent and starts meeting all these guys and like oh dude we got the right kind of guys on this team and that, that's what as a player that's what you hope for i want to be on a team full of guys that love ball as much as i do and he's, he found that in san francisco you mentioned knowing the shanahan's obviously playing for mike and what was kyle's when when you when you were with the broncos what was Kyle, what was his stages of his career? What was he doing? Well, I got to watch Kyle as the ball boy in San Francisco, right? And he was, I always, I remember him laughing. Like, you know, you just notice people that are on the field and uh, Steve Young would have them running routes or putting them in spots and they were running him ragged. Like they'd run him until he dropped and Jerry Rice would maybe put him there and practice releases on him. He was like doing whatever, but he looked so happy just to be there with NFL players and working with these guys. He was in grade school at the time. Then when I went to Denver, I got to know him a little better and I watched him play in high school and I watched him play in college. And then uh, he was always on the sideline until he left for college uh, for the Broncos games. You know, back then there wasn't Wi-Fi. You're holding the cords for right. the head coach. Right. And uh, got to know him a little bit and just could tell he loved the game. He wanted to be a player, and when he stopped playing, he wanted to be a coach. And there was no doubt in my mind, because this kid had grown up around football and grown up around great coaches and great players, no doubt in my mind that he was going to have success. Yeah, you, you could just see it. You, you, oh, yeah. You know, he's as a son of a head coach, you could see him following that direction. You would have been there with Mike McDaniel, too, right? Yeah, I think Mike McDaniel. Do you McDaniel, remember him being um, the ball boy? I remember or? what he looked like. When I saw a picture of him as a kid, I'm like, I remember that kid. I didn't know him, but I remember his face. Just remember around. him being around? Yeah, and I knew, you know, who ended up being his stepdad. I knew him. He worked for the Broncos forever. Right. And so, uh, but I didn't know him as well as Kyle, obviously. But it's, it's amazing. When I heard that story, I'm like, no way. Hey, that guy, yeah. right? It's like, but he grew up around football, and he actually grew up around the video department, and he grew up watching tape and learning how to break it down and looking at the cutups. So he kind of had a little bit of a different experience. A ball boy, dad wasn't a coach. He had a goal to be a head coach his whole life in the NFL, but he learned how to break down film like in his teens, right? And so he, you know, that was an incredible experience for him, learning how to watch the game and study the game at such a young age. The, the it sounds like there was kind of a family atmosphere that Mike Shanahan created. Created that around the team, is that right? Yeah, one of the things, and you know, take a look at future Hall of Fame coach Mike Shanahan's coaching tree, and I think that speaks volumes. One of the things I think we like that, to beat that drum with Andy Reid. Yeah, Andy, I have so much respect for yeah. Andy Reid. So much respect for Andy Reid. I, I think it's my, a great point. You know, I know we're tree. playing against each other, but he, he's one of the coaches I've always, you know, I've watched so much of his film. As a, when I was a coach, I'm copying plays that he's drawn up, and have so much respect for him as a coach. And the great coaches develop their coaches. They coach their coaches, and so in terms of Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, Mike Shannon obviously taught him, and then you got Sean McVay, then you got LaFleur, and 
then you, I mean, there's coaches all over the NFL that are part of this tree, and one of the things they do a really good job of, and Kyle does a great job with this. Look at D'Amico Ryan's went to be the head coach in Houston. Look at the success he had. Um, there's so many of these coaches that have learned from Mike and now Kyle of how to be a head coach, and he he helps develop head coaches. And the way he does it is he he's he's one of those old school guys that understands everyone's assignment. So he could coach the defense. He could be a defensive coordinator. He could coach the offense. He's an offensive coordinator. In the meetings, he talks to the whole team so that everyone on the team knows he knows everyone's assignment. And they'll watch film together as a team. And, you know, it's such a valuable tool, and I think it's such a great way to earn the respect of your players when they know you you understand every assignment on the field. Some coaches are just figureheads. They're, they don't know the intricacies of the offense or the intricacies of the defense. They hire great coordinators, and you can win games that way. If you have two great coordinators, you can be a head coach, and there's a lot to deal with as a head sure. coach, right? And you got two great coordinators, and it works. But I think the best coaches are the purest. And it's hard to do, because imagine the time that goes into being a head coach, and now you call plays on one side of the ball. Now you got to know every detail, what's going on on the other side of the ball, and special teams. There's almost not enough time in the day, but Kyle does that. And I think he, he, he his coaches see what it takes to be a great head football coach, and they learn from him. And then when it's their time and they're ready, they go on and have that same kind of success. We're talking to Ed McCaffrey here. I think the most underrated thing of, of Mike and Kyle Shanahan and all the good ones is the ability to coordinate a really good run game. Right? Everyone thinks of a great coordinator. is just, oh, he bombs it down the field. throwing. But, like, that part of it, I, I know watching Bill Snyder coach at K-State and the angles and the different ways that he would help set up blocks with their play designs and the way they did things. And the Shanahan's have always had that as well. And, yeah. and, and they're the 49ers, along with the Dolphins, along with the Rams, get up under center and actually run the ball old school-wise. Like, the league got so much into the shotgun and how how much divert, how, you know, I mean, I remember watching you guys bootleg on Gunther kind of guy. I love Gunther. Great guy, right? God, God rest his soul. But you would just kill us on the bootleg. And all these great run designs, you know, us being Kansas City as a fan, a season ticket holder watching the Chiefs, and, and just like the beauty of how well you could run the football. And Mike Shanahan always had that, and Kyle Shanahan has that as well. And the, the multiple variations and options that are there when the quarterback's under center, and you can play action, and then you can throw off of it. It's like th- th- that part of the game I think is lost on a lot of people, and Kyle Shanahan's probably the best at it. You know, there's that group that you all mentioned that came from Mike Shanahan that all do that, and all those offenses were great this year. Yeah. Throw, throw in the Bengals too. I agree with you. Yeah, and it's it's the ability, it's, it's a big part of your offense. You're committed to it. Um, even when you're not you know, getting big chunks of yards early in the game, teams know they're still going to stay committed to the run game. It's a big part of what they do, and it sets up keep passes and play action passes so well. Um, and, you know, believe it or not, on lower levels, a lot of reason teams go to spread, it's, it's easier to coach. The more people you involve in the box, the harder it is to coach. You bring a tight end in now, now you bring in a fullback. There's more people there, right? And so the attention to detail you have to have with everyone's assignment, uh, everyone's footwork, is is crucial. And they do such an incredible job of doing that. But just the outside zone alone. Right, the outside zone alone could take like a month to coach, even yeah. at the NFL level, because there's so many different formations and fronts and looks the defense can give you, and you have to coordinate your double teams at the points of attack and who's climbing and identify the mic. And now you throw in the motions and shifts where you're pushing and pulling. Everyone's got to be on the same page. It's not easy to coach, which is why some coaches are like, forget the fullback. 
spread the tight end out. Now we you know, got five or six man box, and we can coach this versus a nickel defense rather than bringing in a safety and bringing in a linebacker and having all those different looks. So there's so much attention to detail to be able to coach this offense. It's not easy, and it's it it can be difficult for quarterbacks. You got to have a pretty bright quarterback. You know they have a lot of kill. Every play is two plays, right? I mean, there's every play you can get out of it and get into another play. So the you know, the West Coast offense has long terminology, but you're right. I mean, go, going way back to the beginning of the West Coast offense, people underestimate because you have, you know, Brock Purdy has the longest average yardage per reception this year, yeah, right? Nine. And you're like, okay, but they're committed to the run. Well, how's that possible? It's because the run sets up the pass. And, you know, when I look at Kansas City, it's it's different in that they're probably pass first, run second. But my question is, can you run the ball when you need to? And they've always been able to do it when they need it to, whether it's Patrick Mahomes making a place with his feet or whether it's just digging in and saying we're going to have to run the ball a little bit to win this game, to eat the clock at the end of a game, or to move the chains. And I remember a couple Super Bowls ago, you know, they had two touchdowns. One I think was called back by the running back, and Patrick Mahomes made a lot of plays with his feet. Yeah. So they can do it when they need to. And, and so, but the great teams, whether you're pass first or run first, um, you still have to be able to do it. You have to run the football when it counts. Not too many teams when you get to this game can just air it out and win and be one dimensional. You have to be able to do both. But you're right. Kyle Shanahan is a wizard coaching the run game. We're talking to former running back, former offensive tackle. It's amazing what yes. you learn. Ed McCaffrey, of course, uh, wide receiver uh, at the NFL level, and his son, Christian McCaffrey, going to take on uh, the Chiefs, the 49ers, and just had a uh, brilliant season. Time for our final four. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Four quickies. Just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. I'll take your prediction for the game first. One hell of a football game. Okay. I think no. it's good. I think it's going to be close. I'm not going to predict the score. Okay. But I think it's going to be a close game, and it's going to be one hell of a game. Do you think it's going to be up, you know, scoring gets up, or do you think it's going to be more of a rock fight? Do you have a feel for what, what the back and forth might be? Oh, I think the score will be in the 20s. I think both offenses are too good. Uh, to not put some points on the board, although with you know Patrick Mahomes protecting the football and their ability to run the ball and eat clock, um, you know I'm, I'm thinking it's somewhere in the 20s. 20, okay. 22 has always been a crucial number for me, regardless of this game. Okay, I think you know, but I think both teams' offenses are good enough to score above that. So I think if somebody gets into the 30s, they could run away with it. Okay, all right. Uh, tell me one sentence or a couple of words, however you want to describe Patrick Mahomes when you watch him as a guy who's played with some pretty good quarterbacks. A elite. Okay, I like that. That's good. Who was the toughest defender you ever went up against? Oh man. That's a tough. I'll say Deion Sanders. Deion? I went against him every day in practice in 1994, and he was defensive player of the year, so I'm the only guy that I know that gives me an assist, but I do. Okay. And then how long does Christian play? Uh, hopefully he plays all four quarters of this game. No, no. How long for his career? I don't look past this game, man. We got, <laughs> we got one game to go. All right. Hopefully he's playing all four quarters, and he's in the correct formation at the end of the game. I like it. I like it. Ed, uh, I mean, I don't like him being in the correct formation, but <laughs> I love the way you're thinking. Ed, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. You Thank know, you. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Thank you. You bet. Ed McCaffrey, uh, former Denver Bronco. Yes, he was part of the ones that, that just killed us uh, in 1997. Uh, Ed McCaffrey father of Christian McCaffrey joining us. He's brought to you by our friends at the Low T Center. You can get your levels checked right now, guys. Go to LowTCenter.com to get your levels checked. Reinventing Men's Healthcare, that's what they're doing.
doing at the Low T Center. If you don't know your numbers, find out at the Low T Center. Go to lowtcenter.com. We will take a break here at Radio Row, uh, Super Bowl 58. Of course, you'll hear that here on 810. Come back uh, and talk a little bit about uh, what Ed McCaffrey had to say there. Uh, 913-3810-810. You're in the program. All right, the Joe's Kansas City Barbecue burnt end of the hour answer. Two Kansas State products have played in two Super Bowls. I asked for either one. Two Kansas State products yeah. have played in two Super Bowls. Yeah. Um, Each one of them played in both of their Super Bowls for the same team. Uh, uh Brown or Foreman, the running back uh, for the Vikings? Nope. Nopers? He only played in one. Monty Beisel? Nope. Got an offensive lineman and a wide receiver. Byron Pringle? Byron Pringle. Okay. The other and was a local high school product as well. Uh, one guy applied his high school trade here. The other played professionally. You got Ryan Pringle. Lilja. Ryan Lilja. Nailed it. 06 and Nailed 09 it. Colts. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, strong. Uh, I like it. Uh, what are we playing for there? Joe's. Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. You can get it. You know, they're going to be open uh, for uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Not Normally, they're not open on a Sunday, but they will be open this Sunday and can uh, take care of you and all your delightful barbecue. Carry out. You can carry out Joe's uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, so they are uh, going to have you covered uh, with uh, the greatest barbecue in the world. It's Joe's Kansas City Barbecue, 47th Mission, 119th and Strang Line. Uh, and again, you you can carry it out for Super Bowl Sunday. So get your order in right now at joeskc.com. If you'd like, you can send it anywhere in the country at joeskc.com. Uh, go there right now and uh, check it out for yourself. Let's talk some football. We are here at Radio Row uh, at uh, Super Bowl 58. Our coverage brought to you by Hollywood Casino, Greenlight Dispensary, Deepest Quality Moore uh, Attorneys, Injury Attorneys, and Low T Center. Uh, we welcome to the uh, broadcast uh, NFL Network's uh NFL insider, uh, Mr. Ian Rappaport is with us. Ian, how are you, sir? Uh, can we talk about barbecue instead? We can. Okay. The best Joe's, in the world is all in Kansas City. Joe's KC is maybe my, if it's not one, Pecan Lodge in Dallas is a fantastic place. If it's not one, it's two. Um, that is a fantastic place. I had, so when I was there for the draft last year, yes. I, <laughs> I had like a little bit of a break. I drove over there. By myself. Yeah. Sat at lunch. Did you go to the one at the, ga- the gas station at 47th Division? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The original. And you get the burn ends in the yeah. little plastic cup. Uh-huh. And it had the ridiculous, humongous sandwich, which was so good. Uh, the Z-Man. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And I loved it. So I was, I was here for all of it. it was yeah. Great. It is fantastic. And we, we, you said such nice things, like the idea that Texas has any... No, any Texas claim? No, great. No. I love oh. Texas barbecue. No, come on, love it. Come on, no cheese. I lived in Dallas for three years, man. I know it's not KC. I, 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 I would put KC up at the top just as a genre. But that's right. Um, Dallas. It's like Vegas. Like well. like something like eighteen of the nineteen biggest hotels in the world are here in Vegas. Like eighteen of the nineteen best barbecue joints in the world are in Kansas City. Yeah, I can see right, that. and and so that's what we do. 
Yeah, right? Like we own that moniker. By the way, the NFL Network will have 70-plus hours of Super Bowl coverage, including a special eight-and-a-half-hour edition of NFL Game Day Morning uh, Super Bowl uh, starting Sunday morning at 8 a.m. So you can get everything you want. And, of course, Ian will be a big part of that coverage. And uh, it must be nice. You guys, uh, like, they put the media over here at the Luxor, and you guys are at the Cosmo. Not bad, huh? Not bad at all. Jeff Chidea was telling me yeah, about uh, you guys well. got the swanky uh, set up. They, they take care of us a little bit. They take care of us. Hold on. I got one more barbecue thing. Okay. So I went to Kansas City for a game a couple years ago, right? And I had the burn ends. And I'd had burn ends before, but I was really like, this is the best thing that I've ever had. Right. So I came back, and I wanted to make it for my family. And I had two. I have two sons, but at the time I had two sons who were real small. They were like five and seven. So how do you get kids to eat barbecue? You make lollipops. So I made pork belly burn end lollipops for my five year old and seven year old, and they helped jab the stick in. And because they were lollipops, they were willing to try them, and now they love burn ends because they gave them lollipops when they were five and seven. That is fantastic. Well, you know, you you can send Joe's anywhere in the country. Joe'sKC.com. I've, I've, I've so, had it. Sent, I've had it sent to me. All right. Me. Good. 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 All right. What do you think of this game? I mean, is it? Uh, are, are we looking at? I saw somebody. Uh, they they did a poll of national guys like yourself that cover nationally. Don't cover a team. But cover nationally football, 49 of 64 picked the Chiefs, yet the Chiefs are a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Yeah, I I was kind of interested in, in where the spread is. Now, this is not exactly my world. Like, I don't obviously gamble, and I don't know a ton about it. I'm just surprised that, you know, the spread is obviously a reflection of what people think. And I'm surprised by that because generally in big games, you know, the, the – team that has the upper hand is generally the one that has the best quarterback. That's just what it is. Like, that's just what it is. And so, you know, again, I don't gamble, but to me, you want to pick against Patrick Mahomes, you should be careful. Right. You should be careful. Because, and, and I will say this, like, I am, I really am impressed with the way the Chiefs have rebuilt themselves. Like, I didn't see this coming completely. Like, when they traded Tyreek Hill, I understood the reason for the trade, but I didn't know what it would turn into. And the fact that it turned into a defensive foundation that will carry them for the next 10 years is absolute genius from Brett Veach. And I think that is what led them here today. Yeah, it is. And I'm glad you brought up Brett Veach. That's the maybe the, the you know, Mahomes... Kelsey, Reed, that gets talked about all the time. And there are actually even a couple of people in Kansas City that, that think because Brett Veach took McCole Hardman in front of DK Metcalf that somehow he doesn't know what he's doing drafting-wise. Yeah. Never mind that he's got, you know, he trades up for Trent McDuffie, and McDuffie's an all-pro I mean, corner. He gets it, you know, usually if you want a double-digit sack guy, he's got to come early in the draft. They get Karloftis at 30. He's a good pick. He's 10 and a half sacks this year. Uh, Legereus Sneed travels with number one wideouts. He was a fourth-round pick. Great player. There are all kinds of great picks. Patrick Mahomes? Trading up to get number ten. Now that was George, was, John Dorsey was the GM. John Dorsey was the GM, but, but yes, Brad Beach, Brett Beach was, was boots on the ground. A, yes, at least the driving force behind that. Yeah, yes. it, it, it it has been really impressive uh, what they've been able to do. And is the Chiefs' defense like I think Brock Purdy's actually underrated in this game because had he been a former first round pick, we be people would be yeah. validating their yeah. their mindset. Instead, he's still just kind of viewed as the little engine that could. Yeah, but the Chiefs' defense isn't getting the hype. That it deserves. They were only fractions of a point behind the Baltimore Ravens. And that game, the storyline was written like the Ravens were this epically great defense, and the Chiefs were pretty good. The Chiefs' defense is phenomenal. Excellent. Yeah, but but that's okay because people, it takes a while for people to recognize what they're seeing, right? And I think for the Chiefs, this, like, 
we finished the whole coaching cycle, right? And there were a lot of coordinators who got, you know, head coach interviews, and there were a lot of coordinators or or non-coordinators who got head coach interviews as well. Steve Spagnuolo did not. And I don't get it entirely because he has been a head coach and certainly has the chops to be one. I don't get it, um, but people will see what he's going to do on Sunday, and I think people will maybe recognize, as they should every year, but hasn't quite come yet. Why isn't he getting the interviews? You know, his main problem is that he's not a media guy and he's not a self-promoter. He's not. Like, he's a great guy, and for those, like, he's always been nice to me, but he has never one time texted me, like, hey, like, when you're talking about this job, you should mention me. He doesn't work like that. And I think what happens in the NFL sometimes is – the guys who get talked about are those guys who push for themselves. And he does not push for themselves. He pushes for his team immensely, but he does not push for himself. And, you know, I don't know that that's going to prevent him from getting a head coaching job, but certainly it has not helped. Ian Rappaport's with us, uh, NFL insider for the NFL Network. Um, ben Johnson, there's a report out there, or people speculating, maybe is a better way to put it, that Ben Johnson doesn't want to be a head coach. That part of it is, you know, doesn't I, want to be. Well, and I bring that up because my next question would then be, is Steve Spagnuolo like that? Has he found, like, you know what, it, it kind of sucks being the head guy. And if you don't have a quarterback, it's really, really hard to be successful and, you know, make everybody happy and have that great yeah. vibes. And, wow, I get to be the D.C., which Andy pretty much lets him do his own thing. Sure. So he gets what he loves to do. He's great at it. And he gets to dominate it and probably makes a really good check for coordinator money. Sure. Not a bad spot to be. Is it? possible that he he's this job is better unless just the perfect job got set in front of him uh that is possible um i don't know that it's true now for ben johnson i think it's more of he needs to find the right job and he last year i mean he and i spoke about it like he did not think he was ready this year i think he was readier but didn't love the options and pulled out like totally fine you're allowed to do that no nothing says you have to be a head coach i think the thing i would say with spags is if he's never a head coach he has a job he could have for the rest of his life. He is great at it. He does make a lot of money. The players absolutely love him, and he's got Patrick Mahomes in any read. That's great. Um, I hope he wants to be a head coach because the only thing I really care about, honestly, is for deserving coaches to get what they deserve. And I do think he deserves to be a head coach. Yeah. If he wants it, I hope he gets it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great way to put it. Eric Bieniemy. Is he just never going to be a head coach? Yeah, maybe not. You know, he's interviewed 20 times or something, and it hasn't happened. Which, you know, I don't know. I think everybody wants to know whose fault this is. Like, I don't know that it's anybody's fault. Sometimes things just don't happen. Um, he is a big, strong voice. That is not for everyone. He is not a traditional, you know, he was an offensive coordinator, but not a traditional one. You know, wasn't a play caller here, even though he was involved with the game plan. And, call the plays in Washington to up and down success. Like, he might not be a head coach, but I think he can bring incredible, incredible value to a team, just like he did to the Chiefs when they talked to him a couple weeks ago. This is going to seem counter, you know, counterintuitive to what we just talked about, but with Steve Spagnuolo, but the game is more and more about offense, and everybody has seemingly wanted to find their offensive coordinator. Sean McVay was the great flavor. Five of eight head coaching hires were defense this year. Yeah. Why? I've had a couple of theories. What's your theory? I I do have a theory. Um, People are looking more for leadership this year than they ever have before. 
And I think that's what it should be, right? Like everybody wants. Was there a traumatic experience somewhere in the league that sent people to that? Dan Campbell. He's not a defense. So it wasn't a negative thing. We're like, oh, this guy had the leadership. It was the positive nature. Dan Campbell's success. I think what you're what you're thinking is like, who can lead my team? And it doesn't always look like the hot young coordinator. It doesn't always look like Ben Johnson, for instance. Sometimes it looks like Dan Campbell or you know Antonio Pierce, and. Finding a leader of men is very, very challenging. But if you find one, it doesn't matter what side of the ball they coach. Did you think after the opening press conference Dan Campbell was going to be successful? Um, I hoped because I have long been a proponent of, like, find a leader and figure everything else out. Like, I don't like the thought of, like, well, if we hire a defensive guy and then his coordinator is good and then gets hired a new t- you know, full-time job, head coach job, we got to have a new coordinator, that's a challenge. Like, I think that's dumb. Find the best leader you can and figure everything else out. Because calling plays is not that challenging. Leading a locker room is very challenging. We've got about 10 seconds. Tell me, how many Super Bowls does Patrick Mahomes win in his career when it's all said and done? My guess would be like six or seven. There it is. They're going to be here. I mean, might they be here every year? Like, very possible. Yeah. Ian, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. Uh, their coverage is going to be all over it. Uh, 70 plus hours this week of Super Bowl coverage. Eight and a half hours on game day. It starts at 8 a.m. Central on the NFL Network. We'll take a break. More from Radio Row next. All right, there are five father-son combos to win the Super Bowl as players. Name any one. Brought to you by Good Sense.